Uh, I want to thank you for being here this morning. Before we get started this morning, uh, I'd like to give you just a little bit of an update. Uh, Roy and Pat Bramlett, you know, Pat and them, they've been out for a little while. She's been having some problems, and she's been in the hospital, and uh, she's been losing blood. Uh, I know that uh, since she got back in the hospital, they've given her at least four pints of blood, and now they say she needs some more, and they can't find out where the blood is going. And nothing is showing up as to where she's losing the blood. So we don't know exactly what's going on. Maybe they're going to, I think they're going to try to send her somewhere where maybe she can be checked out a little better. And, uh, but she's having a real problem. And uh, Roy kind of come down with, I, I don't know if it's a sinus infection or something, but uh, he's been kind of under the weather, which is her husband. And so y'all keep them in prayer. Uh, they've been here a long time. They've been very faithful. And uh, they're just going through some things right now. And uh, I've been at the hospital with her every day this week. Uh, even took her to the nursing home. Got her in there. And, but then she had to come back to the hospital. And uh, I don't know whether they've given her the other blood yet or not. But y'all keep her in prayer. After I left the uh, uh, nursing home in the hospital. I went by and seen Betty Glenn. She's a member here, and she's been going through some problems with her heart. Uh, she's been going through some AFib, and uh, they're giving her some medicine now. She says she's feeling a little better, but I went by her house after, like I said, after I left the nursing home and visited with her for a while. I was there probably an hour a little better, and we had prayer, and we just talked. And uh, so there's just been a lot going on. And, uh, but I know God's involved. He's going to take care of things. And uh, whenever I, I go see somebody, I make sure we pray. Because I'm, I want them to know that God is in charge. He's going to take care of it. And, uh, but y'all keep them in prayer. And uh, got a pretty good report, too. We, we've been praying for a young man. We're in a car wreck here about three or four months ago, out here on 7.30, and he liked to died. Well, I got the call. I didn't, I didn't know the man, but I went to the hospital and visited with him, had prayer with him. We talked, and uh, he said he hadn't been in church in a long time. But uh, he says he's, he's, he's going to get back, and he said, I'm coming to your church. But anyway, whenever Carefly picked him up out here on 7.30, he was almost dead. And I said, you know, God was with you, and he's watching over you. He had lost so much blood, it liked to took his whole scalp off. And, he's, and he, both legs, one leg was broke, the other knee was damaged real bad. I mean, it was just, he was really in bad shape. Well, when the, when the care flight landed out there, they, they told him, said, we usually don't carry blood on this helicopter. But that day, 
they had blood on the helicopter. And they started a transfusion. And that's what saved his life. So we know that God was walking with him. He said, I feel the presence of God. And uh, he got out a little while yesterday and did some walking. He's using a cane and all that. But uh, we've invited him and his family to, to come to church for Easter Sunday and to bring the kids out here on that Friday that we have the Easter egg hunt and the hamburgers. So I'm hoping they show up. But, you know, it just seems like it's the enemy is just constantly busy trying to destroy the churches, trying to destroy people's life. But, you know, when you've got God on your side and when you're filled with that Holy Spirit, that enemy don't stand a chance. That's what I was telling Pat Bramley. I said, Pat, we've rebuked Satan, we've rebuked the devil, and everything. She said, I feel the presence of God. I know God is with me. And I just told her, I said, and she was real concerned. She said, I feel like the demons are attacking me. I said, they will attack you, but they can't come in. I said, because you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit living in you, and where the Spirit of God is, a demon cannot enter there. I said, so you don't worry about a, de a devil or demon coming in. I said, you just keep giving God praise, and you give him glory, and show him that you put your trust and your faith in him. And she said, that's what I'm doing. And I said, all right. So y'all just keep them in prayer, Betty and, and uh, <coughs> Pat, Roy, and I'm sure that I probably have missed somebody, but uh, y'all just just keep the church in prayer and that uh, God's going to refill this place back up. Ever since COVID, it's just been one of those, it's been a, it's been a battle. But God's going to win. He said, I have built my church. The demons will come against it, but they will not prevail. So, the churches are going to come back, and they're going to be stronger than they ever were. So y'all just keep praying. Uh, <clears throat> today, we are celebrating Palm Sunday. This Palm Sunday represents the final seven days before Jesus' resurrection. He came into Jerusalem. It was time. This was God's timing and God's plan for him to come in at this time. Because that, and there was a lot of things that, that, uh, that Jesus had to do before he went to the cross. And most of us, we don't realize it. In fact, I told David this morning, I said, David, those, those uh, scriptures and stuff I give you, throw them away. Because God's leading me in a different direction. And uh, what we're going to look at this morning, oh, it's still Palm Sunday and everything, but we're going to look at what took place those seven days after Jesus entered Jerusalem. Most people don't know. We see it in a roundabout way. But God had a plan. And the plan was it was time for Jesus to come into Jerusalem. And as you start looking at it, it says that when he come in, that Jesus told his disciples, go find me a donkey. He was going to ride a donkey in. There was a very special reason that he rode this donkey in. Whether you realize or not, a donkey represents humbleness, humility. If a king had been at war and had a great victory, he'd have probably rode in on a great white stallion. 
that Jesus was coming to bring peace. The donkey represented peace, and that's what Jesus was bringing. He was bringing peace, love, eternal life. You know, probably if a lot of those people back then could see what we see now and what we know now, oh, there'd been such a change in what took place at the crucifixion. But see, they couldn't see what we now see and know. And there were some things that happened after Jesus come in. Oh, he come in, they hailed him as, as, as a king. And, and this Palm Sunday, they get its name as when he was coming in, they was cutting palm branches and stuff and throwing them down for the, for him, for the donkey to walk on. For them. They was honoring Christ. They knew he was the Messiah and was coming in. And they was honoring him. But then many of them cried, Hosanna, Hosanna, Lord our King. But you know, it was just a few days later that they were crying, Crucify him, crucify him. Many things changed. Jesus came in riding on that donkey as a king. And see, they thought, these, the, the Jewish people thought that Jesus was coming to set up his kingdom right then and there. They was wanting to be free from the Roman government. They was wanting their freedom. And then when they, found, they figured out that he wasn't setting up his kingdom right now, they became angry. And they, they got mad. And of course the Jewish leaders didn't help anything any. They egged everything on. And pretty soon, like I said, instead of Hail our Lord King. They were saying, crucify him. Crucify him. No. As we come in to Palm Sunday, and to this here, Palm Sunday marks the start of what we call Passion Week or Holy Week. This whole week, starting like like. Today would be the day that Jesus would have rode in to Jerusalem. Starting Monday was what we would call Passion Week. Things were going to start happening. Things were going to, Jesus was going to have to do some things to get ready for the cross and for everything that was going to happen. Each day Jesus had a plan. Each day Jesus had to do something. And what I want to look at right now is I just made some small notes of, of, of kind of what I wanted to share with you. What happened the seven days of Jesus' life after he entered Jerusalem? What took place? Monday. What took place on Monday, the day after his arrival? Jesus got up that morning and went to his father's temple, and he cleared that temple of money changers, of selling animals, he restored his father's house back to a house of worship. He got rid of all the clamoring, all the junk. He cleaned his father's temple. And now his father's temple become a house of worship again instead of a den of thieves. Jesus, what Jesus said, you have made my father's house a den of thieves, a den of crooks, robbers. He drove every one of them out of it and restored his father's house that Monday. 
What did he do on Tuesday? On Tuesday, he went to the Mount of Olives he, with his men, his, his, his disciples, and he preached to the people that had gathered there, and they said that was a large crowd. What did he preach? He preached about the end time. The people didn't understand what was going to happen, and Jesus was telling them. He told them about his second coming, how he was coming back again. But this wasn't it. This wasn't it. There's going to be another time. And then he told them about the final judgment that would take place at the end of time, at the great white throne judgment. You know, the great white throne judgment is going to be the last judgment of all time. After the great white throne judgment, there will never be another judgment. That will do it. Because the world, not this world, but the new Jerusalem will come down and we will live, all Christians that believe in Jesus Christ will live in that new world. And in that new world, there will be no sin, no sickness, no death. It's going to be a perfect place. Can you imagine living in a place where there's no sin, just peace, joy, contentment, love? Well, that's what the new world's going to be. we got a lot to look forward to, and we don't even realize it. It's not going to be like where we're at now. It's going to be so wonderful and so great. And something else happened on Tuesday. That's when Judas went and talked to the Sanhedrin or the religious leaders. He was working out a price to betray Jesus so they could take him and capture him. They sat and they talked. And they settled on 30 pieces of silver. That's what Judas accepted, was 30 pieces of silver to betray our Lord and Savior. Oh, Jesus is going to pay dearly for this. And we know it. He did. But he made a deal with the religious leaders that he would give them Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. You say, well, didn't they know who Jesus was? I'm sure they did. But back in those days, think about it. They all kind of looked alike. They wore the robes, the turbans. They all had beards. They was all pretty, pretty well dark-complected and so forth. They wanted to make sure they was getting the right Jesus, not some stranger or picking up the man by mistake. They said, you're one of his disciples. You know him. And if you, if you will give him to us, we'll give you 30 pieces of silver. And Judas accepted that. Judas was a crook. He never was faithful to Jesus. He was only faithful to the money that he could get his hands on. That was Tuesday. What about Wednesday? What happened on Wednesday? Well, not much. Wednesday was a day of rest for Jesus. He was getting ready and preparing for the Passover celebration. It was time. It was time for the Passover celebration. And Jesus was preparing and getting ready to attend and go to that. Passover. What is Passover? If y'all remember back in the Old Testament, and the Israelites were under Egyptian slavery. They prayed, oh God, free us, free us. Jesus answered that correctly. He, he answered that. He sent Moses. Moses went to the Pharaoh said, free my people. He wouldn't do it. 
Jesus made him a deal. He told he, he tells the Israelites, kill the sacrificial lamb, take the blood, and put it over the doorposts. Now, people, some people think that uh, call it the de- the the angel of death. In the Bible, there is no angel of death. No such thing. If we read what that scripture says, God Himself is speaking. He says, "Put." the blood over the doorpost and when I pass over there will no harm come he was going to destroy the firstborn because they wouldn't listen to him no it wasn't a death angel it was God himself he said when I pass over there will no harm come to you and all the Egyptians and I say all the Egyptians when all the Israelites and even a few of the Egyptians put some blood over their doorpost. God passed over that and, and did not harm any of their children. He wasn't looking for who was in the house. He was looking at the blood and he's still looking at the blood today. He's still looking at the blood today. He didn't go to that house and look and see who was in there. He looked at the doorpost. If you were obedient and you put the blood on the doorpost, he passed over and he spared your firstborn's life. Even the firstborn of the livestock. Do y'all realize that Pharaoh finally woke up when God destroyed Pharaoh's son, his firstborn son? Pharaoh didn't put any blood over his doorpost. Pharaoh wasn't paying any attention. And when God passed over, the Pharaoh's son died. That's what woke Pharaoh up. So told them that they could leave. Then he got to thinking about it. What am I doing letting these people leave? These are our slaves. They help us. So he sent an army after them. God said, bring them on. They got to the Red Sea. Moses looking at it. What am I going to do? The army's behind us and the sea's in front of us. What do we do? God simply said, Moses, raise your staff. Moses raised his staff. The Red Sea parted and the Israelites crossed over on dry ground, going into the promised land. See, God was watching over them. That represents the Passover. That's what God did. And they were celebrating this, how God freed the Israelites from slavery and everything. And, And every year, they still today celebrate Passover. So they celebrated Passover. What about Thursday? What happened on Thursday? Well, I'm going to tell you, Thursday was a pretty busy day. (coughs) First of all, Thursday was the day, and we're going to do it today, communion. It was the last supper that Jesus had with his disciples. He sent two of them out to get the upper room to have this last supper in. They went and got it. They all gathered in the upper room. And they had what they call the sop. It was like a, I guess, kind of a dip. You know, like you go to the Mexican Inn, they got that dip there for you to eat. Well, that's kind of what this was. And he had bread. And they would dip that bread in that sop and eat it. That was their deal. You know, they didn't sit around the table. Most of them, they reclined on the floor. 
leaning against each other. Many of them were leaning against Jesus as he sat there. Taking that last supper, he did it with, the, with his disciples. He, he, he wanted to share that last meal with them. He said, I will do this no more until my time comes. That was going to be his last meal. And then, after the meal, Jesus took and washed his disciples' feet. He was showing them. And this represented, he said, I came to serve. That's what Jesus did. He came to serve us. An, un an ungrateful people, really. But he came to serve, to serve us, to help us, to get us to heaven, to forgive our sins. He, that's why he came. But he washed their feet. You know, some churches still have what they call a, a, a foot washing. Well, they do this. The men get together. Maybe do communion. Just like Jesus did. And then after the communion, the pastor will take and he will wash their feet. I've thought about that. Showing them, I love you. I'm here to serve you. I'm here for you. And after the Last Supper, Jesus felt like he needed just a little bit of time with the Father. <coughs> he knew what was coming. And he needed to be alone with the Father for a little bit. You know, I think we all need that. We all need that time alone with God. Just to open up our hearts what's going on inside. God knows what it is, but sometimes God just wants that personal relationship that we come to Him and present ourselves to Him, asking Him to be with us, to touch us, to watch over us, to guard us. Well, Jesus needed that because He knew it was time for the cross. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane after the meal. He took three disciples with him. He took Peter, James, and John. He said, y'all come with me. And as they went into the garden, he told them, y'all stay up here and pray, pray while I go yonder on. So he could kind of get away from everything going on, but he could be alone with the Father. Well, Jesus had his time with the Father. He come back. James and John and Peter were sound asleep. They weren't even praying. And Jesus woke and said, Could you not stay awake for just a few minutes and pray for me? They apologized. And they said, We'll pray. Well, Jesus went back and he prayed again. He wanted more time with the Father. He come back, they were asleep again. <clears throat> He just kind of shook his head, woke them up when they left the garden. You know, during the time that Jesus was in the garden, something happened. Jesus became so, remember now, Jesus was also human. 
He was still deity, but he was all oh, he took also took on human form. It said he became very agitated at what was going on. It said that his that he sweated so much that he was just so tense that those drops of sweat turned into blood. Off his brow. And a doctor says that can happen when certain capillaries in your blood stream break and mix with the blood. The sweat will turn to blood. He said, that's, yes, that's true. Jesus was, was just distraught. And he asked the Father. He said, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Now what was Jesus talking about? He wasn't talking about the cross. That had already been settled. What Jesus was talking about is he knew that his father was going to have to turn his face from him for a few minutes and not look at him. That they were going to be separated because when Jesus got on that cross, something was going to happen. God was going to pour out the sin of the world upon his own son. To suffer for us, he poured out our sin upon Jesus and he had to turn his face from his own son for that time. Why? Because God cannot look upon sin. That's what Jesus was talking about. Him and Father had never been separated. The Father, they had never turned their face from each other. And that's what Jesus was wanting. Father, please, I, do, I don't want to be separated from you. But, Jesus said, let your will be done. Because these things had to take place in order for man's salvation to take place. They left the garden. What happened when they left the garden? When they left the garden, there was Judas. The Roman soldiers were there with Judas. Judas, Judas had told them, when I see Jesus, I will go up and give him a kiss. You might say it was a kiss of death. But the soldiers were watching Judas. And when Judas saw Jesus coming out of the garden, he went to Jesus and gave him a kiss on the cheek. They knew that this was Jesus. They went to capture Jesus. One of Pilate's servants, his name was Malchus, came at Jesus. Peter was there. Peter drew out his sword and swung it. He cut Malchus's ear off. What did Jesus do? Jesus reached down, picks up the ear, and puts it back on Malchus. And tells Peter, Peter, put that sword away. He reattached the ear to Malchus. And it grew. There was a lot that was going on. And they took Jesus to Pilate. There was a, like, I guess you could call it somewhat of a trial. But you know, Pilate said, I find nothing wrong with this man. I don't see where he's done anything wrong. Then, they send him off. He goes before, I'm not sure, if it, it may be Herod. I'm, I'm kind of lost my track there. And Herod said, no, I don't put up, I don't go back 
He went back to Pilate. Pilate said, I told y'all I found nothing wrong with him. And they said, we want him crucified. He is claiming to be the king of the Jews. You know what Pilate did? The soldiers made a crown of thorns and put on Jesus. Pilate made a sign to hang. They said, Jesus, king of the Jews. Now this really upset the Jewish people. He is not our king. Take that down. Rewrite it. He, just write down, he said he was a king. Pilate looked up and said, I have wrote what I have wrote. That will remain. They said, they said what do y'all want? Talking, was Pilate talking to the Jewish people. Crucify him. Crucify him. Jesus said, you do it. I'm washing my hands of it. And Pilate had a pitcher of water brought and poured over his hands as he washed it. I'm washing my hand. Let this be on y'all's heads. Talking to the Jewish people. They said, we will take it upon our heads. Well, he was sent to the courtyards where he was scourged, beaten, the cat of nine tails. They said he was almost unrecognizable. But they had beat him so bad. And then they took him, showed him the cross, and made him pick it up and carry it himself. He carried that cross. He had a little help at the end. But he carried it all the way to Golgotha, place of the skull. That cross was laid down between two thieves, a thief on the right and a thief on the left. They was already nailed to the cross. Then Jesus, they laid him down. They took those spikes drove them through his hands and his feet. A lot of people say they went through his wrist. A lot of times it says, it don't matter difference where they went, it was painful. It hurt. Hands or wrists. Most of the pictures you see, it's in his hands. And they put him on that cross. They stood that cross up and just dropped it into the hole. Such a thud, you could just hear it hit. You could hear the moan of Christ. Oh! As those spikes tore into him. While they was laying, while he was there, one of those thieves railed on Jesus. Hey, if you truly are the Christ, the Son of God, save yourself and us. The other thief sitting there. What do you, he talking to the other thief, he said, what, do you not fear God? We were judged correctly for what we did. We deserve in what we get. But this man did nothing wrong. That was one of the thieves. And he looked at this one thief, looked over at Jesus, said, it's just like he's saying, Lord, I believe who you are. Forgive me and remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus looks back at this thief. He says, this day 
you shall be with me in paradise. This day, when you die, you will be with me in paradise. Well, it went on. We come to Friday. Well, we was in Friday right then and there. That's when he was, that's when he had his trial, his scourging. He was put on the cross. And now, about 3 o'clock in the evening, about noon, something really happened. Everything become total blackness. God had blotted out the light. He had blotted out the sun. They knew that this was God's son by what was going on. Matter of fact, even one of the soldiers said, Truly, he must be the son of God. And then along about 3 o'clock that day, it was getting close to the Sabbath. They needed to get these uh, thieves and Jesus and all of them off the cross before the Sabbath. They began to go around. Those two thieves, they came. They broke their legs so that they couldn't stand up. They had to drop down, which, which put stress and, 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 and everything on the lungs, where the lungs wouldn't expand, and they suffocated to death. They come to Jesus. He's going to break his legs. He's going to cause his death to just happen and go ahead and get through with it. And one of the guards said, he's dead. He's dead. They broke the other people's legs. God told us in his word that he would not have a bone in his body broke. He didn't. And he said that he was already dead. But one of the guards, they said, let's be sure. And he took his spear and he punctured his side. Probably hit his heart. He said that blood and water gushed out of him. And they knew that he was dead. Then later on, Joseph of Aramaeus and Nicodemus went to Pilate. He said, we want his body. We won't take, well, Pilate had no problem with that. We need to get him down. We need to get rid of him. They said, you can have him. So Nicodemus and Joseph of Aramaeus took Jesus down off the cross. They followed Jesus, but kind of secretly. They were Jewish, and they didn't want all the other Jewish people to know it, that they were following Jesus. They believed in Jesus. They took him down, and they put him in, I think it was Joseph's tomb. Unused. Never been used. And then they put like a hundred pounds of ointment, spices, in there with him. And that's for the smell. See, back then they wasn't embalmed. And that was to help with the odor. They put him in there. And after they got him in there, guess what? Here come some Roman soldiers. They rolled the stone back in front of the door. Then seal it. And then they placed Roman soldiers all around that tomb to guard it, to make sure that his disciples or nobody else came and removed that body to say that he rose again. Jesus told them, I will be in there three days and then I will rise. They was making sure, they didn't believe he would rise. But they was making sure that nobody come by and stole that body and, and made people think he arose. 
They put Roman guards all around that tomb. They had weapons. They were ready. But praise God, on Saturday morning, Jesus was laying in the tomb. But then came Sunday morning. Then came the dawn. They came. There's some of the disciples. Mary, looking for Jesus. Going to anoint the body to help with the smell. Jesus was not there. An angel was there. So are you looking for Jesus? She says, yes, I can't find him. Where is he? He says, he has risen just like he said he would. And as she was leaving, she ran into Jesus outside. She didn't know who he was. She thought he was a gardener. He said, Mary, Mary. And she knew who he was. And she was going to hug him. And she said, don't touch me. I have not yet been glorified. But go tell my disciples to meet me in Galilee. Now see, I left it out, but Peter, in that trial and all that, he had denied Jesus. He denied him those three times, just like Jesus said he would. And as Jesus was walking out to go pick his, pick his cross, he passed by Peter. As he passed by Peter, Peter heard something. Jesus said, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. As Jesus passed Peter, the rooster crowed. Peter knew. He had made one big mistake. And they said, and Peter went out, and he wept bitterly. He wept bitterly because of what he had done. He thought that Jesus had deserted him now. There was no way for him to return to God. But you know what? Jesus looked at Mary and said, Go tell my disciples I will meet them in Galilee and tell Peter also to be there. Peter couldn't believe it. Peter showed up. And Jesus used Peter in such a way. You know, he anointed Peter. He forgave Peter. And in that upper room, when the Holy Spirit came up on all the disciples, something happened. Peter got such a feeling of the Holy Spirit. His first sermon that he preached, over 3,000 people accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You know, that can happen today. You get that anointing of God into your life. You get that anointing of God in your heart. And God can use you in a mighty way that you never thought He could. And that's what we should all desire, is for God to touch us, anoint us, and use us in a powerful way to serve Him. Yes, those seven days, Jesus went through a lot. But you know, if he actually had to, I believe he'd do it again for us. But he's not going to do it again. He's done it one time. One time, and that's all it's going to take. That first drop of blood he shed, if he shed another drop today, it's still just as powerful as the first day it was dropped.
It's the first day it was said. It has not, what's that song? For it has not lost its power. His blood is what cleansed us. His blood is what forgave us. His blood is what saved us. The scripture says, for without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. That's why Jesus' blood. Well, why did he have to shed his blood? Just for our, to be saved. For our forgiveness. And for the Bible clearly says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Even in the Old Testament, that's why they shed the blood of the animals. And when they shed the blood of the animals, that was good for one year. And when they brought the animal in for a sacrifice, the head of the family would come in with that animal, stand with the priest, where the priest was going to cut that animal's throat and, and let it bleed to death. That head of the house would stand there and he would put his hand on that animal's head. What was he doing? He was transferring his sins and his family's sins to that animal so that God could forgive them. And then they killed the animal. That animal shed that blood, and the shedding of blood is what forgave their sins, and it was good for one year. But you know, Jesus' shed blood is good forever. Ever. We've got so much to be thankful for. So instead of just bringing the traditional triumphal entry, I felt that God was telling me to do this. I told David this morning, I said, I may not even use the scripture. I just want to tell you what happened those seven days after Jesus entered into Jerusalem. And everything he did was for us. Ellis. My sermon Sunday. Easter Sunday. Many people have a problem with believing the resurrection actually happened. I've entitled my Sunday, my sermon Sunday, Three Proofs of the Resurrection. I'm going to show you three proofs that the resurrection happened. And if it was to go before our Supreme Court today, they would have to go along and say the resurrection happened. So much evidence, so much truth, it couldn't be denied. And it can't be denied today if you'll open up your heart and look. Jesus Christ died for us. He was raised for us. And now he sits at the right hand of God in heaven interceding for us to God. Be here Sunday. Be here tomorrow. Hear what these proofs are. Maybe you can share those with somebody. Somebody maybe you know in your family or a friend that's having difficulty moving into crucifixion. show you three things that prove the crucifixion happened. I've, I've even read a story about some of the men that, that were so atheist and could not believe they were looking and trying to prove the crucifixion didn't happen. And the more they looked, the more they believed. Many many. Atheists have looked trying to prove that Jesus wasn't that he didn't rise from the grave, that, that, that the crucifixion didn't happen, and that he did not rise. And the more they researched and the more they looked, the more they were convinced he did. Too many facts, too many proofs. 
today we're going to do communion. We're going to do the Lord's Supper. I do it every first Sunday of the month. And it just happened to be this is the first Sunday of the month. Passover is what this represents. This is what Jesus and his disciples did in the upper room. The Passover meal. And this is what this represents. The Passover meal. So we're going to do this. So if I can have the, the elders and folks sort of come first to serve, we're going to do the Passover meal or, or, or communion, whatever you want to call it. But like I said, this is what Jesus and the disciples did in the upper room. So. You know, this is a very special time, whether you realize or not. And I'm going to have to read something to y'all in a minute before we do Passover or, or take communion. I'm sure you've heard it. I don't like to do it. I don't like to read it. But I have to. I have to do it for your own good. Paul said that this was given to me by the Lord. This is what the Lord told Paul to say. And Paul had a reason. God had a reason. And I will read it to you in a minute. Let the kids get in here. And Let us pray. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as he entered into this world. As he came to save man, to bring them salvation. Lord, thank you for all that he went through, for all that he did. For never giving up, Lord, but always trusting in you. That you would do what you said you would do. And Lord, Jesus knew that you as his Father would do what you said. And so Lord, Jesus went through so much for us because you promised that through him we would have salvation. Lord, he fulfilled his end of it. When he was on the cross, and he said, Father, it is finished. He didn't mean, Lord, I'm so glad this is through. No, he meant, Father, it is finished. I have done what you have sent me to do for man. Their salvation has been secured through my shed blood. So Jesus came. He shed his blood that we may be forgiven of all of our sin and that one day we shall have eternal life in heaven with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, Father, thank you. And as we take communion today, as we take of your supper, Lord, just bless the people. Put your hedge of protection around them. Walk with them. Lord, heal their bodies if there's a healing that needs to be done. And just protect them, Lord. Walk with them and keep them safe. And, Lord, keep their family, their children, Put your hedge of protection around their children. And Lord, we give you praise and we give you thanks for everything that you have done and what you're going to do. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Like I said before, there's some things here that I have to say, I have to tell you before we take of this communion. And uh, I'm just going to read them to you, then I'll tell you about it. It says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause there are many weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. 
For if we would judge ourselves, then we should not be judged. We have to look at ourselves before we take of this communion. Am I taking this communion worthily? Are my sins forgiven? Do I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Am I serving Him? Sometimes we have to examine ourselves. Am I right with God? It says examine yourself. You know yourself better than anybody. Look at yourself and judge yourself harshly. Am I worthy? Are my sins been forgiven? Do I believe with all my heart in Jesus Christ? Do I believe what he has done? If the answer is yes, you are worthy to take of communion. So I'm going to give you just a minute to look at yourself and just if there's anything there that you need to ask God to forgive you for, this is the time to do it. Just ask him, Lord, I've made some mistakes and I ask that you forgive me and to cleanse me that I may take of your communion. So I'm going to give you just a few minutes and then we will pray and uh, we'll look at this, we'll go on, we'll take communion. <clears throat> Okay, he said, And the Lord Jesus, that same night in which he was betrayed, that same night that Judas gave him that kiss and betrayed him. This is right after, the, right after uh, the Lord's Supper. Remember, Judas went out to the soldiers to look for him. It says, That same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. That's the cracker that we have here now. That represents our bread. It says, And when he had given thanks, he broke it, the bread, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. When it is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. As we take of this bread, let's do it in remembrance of Christ's broken body and what he did for us on the cross. Let us take of the bread. And after the same manner, also, he took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, This cup is a New Testament in, in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The juice represents the blood of the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. It, it represents eternal life. This is from Jesus to you. Take it, drink it, in remembrance of what he did for you on that cross. Let us take of it. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do it to show the Lord's death until he comes. He is coming back. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this time that we can come into your presence, that we can honor you. Lord, thank you for this time that we've had. Lord, in praising you, loving you, and just thanking you for everything that you've done. Lord, just ask you to you, these people here, Lord, bless them. Watch over them. Take care of them. 
take care of their family. And Lord, if they need a healing, Lord, just touch them. Speak the word, Lord, and they shall be healed. And Lord, we thank you for all that you've done and for what you're going to do in our lives. And we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh.